Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 16th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, there was so much news this week. I'm not going to get to all of it, but let's start with the price of gold. We hit a one-month high this week. The yellow metal nearly touched 1770 an ounce on Thursday, and the price is still trending upward this morning as I record the podcast. Spot gold is at about 1778 an ounce. Meanwhile, silver has rallied back above $26. Speaking of silver, we just released a revised and updated powerful case for silver report. It covers the fundamentals of the silver market and makes a very bullish case for the white metal. You can download it for free over at shiftgold.com and uh, also will link directly to the report on the show notes page if you want to just get it there. Anyway, the dollar hit a four-week low this week, and that helped boost gold and silver. Bond yields were also down a bit. Now, I think the inflation data that came out this week actually spooked the markets a little bit, but it was kind of a delayed reaction. Like, the markets didn't respond when the CPI report first came out, but as the week has gone on, I think the markets are processing this and thinking, yeah, maybe inflation is a problem. A CNBC report on gold's 1.8% gain on Thursday quoted an investment analyst who said, quote, a massive amount of inflation is certainly on the horizon. Now, of course, Jerome Powell and the people over at the Fed insist we don't have to worry. As you know, inflation is transitory. They know this because... I don't know. I guess they have a crystal ball. We did get the CPI numbers this week, as I mentioned, and they are definitely worth looking at. Now, the March CPI was expected to come in hot. In fact, I ran across an article, I think it was in Slate, uh, before the data came out, warning that people like me were going to use the CPI numbers to try to panic people like you and that you shouldn't listen to me. Because, you know, there's nothing to worry about. But the article did make a valid point about the inflation baseline. March of last year was the first full month of the COVID lockdown. And, of course, prices plunged that month. Since CPI compares year on year, we're looking at normalizing prices this March compared to Rona suppressed prices last year. So the numbers look worse than maybe they are. So, of course, don't worry your little head that you're paying more for all of your stuff. It's always good when the cost of living is going up, right, because of the reasons. So, anyway, the Dow Jones estimates were for the CPI to rise 0.5% month to month and 2.5% on a yearly basis. Both of those numbers beat expectations. March CPI was up 0.6% month on month and 2%. 2.6% year on year. Now, rising gasoline prices really drove the index. It was a big chunk of this CPI increase. Now, of course, if you've gone to the gas station recently, you don't need some talking head over at CNBC to tell you that. And this is less than ideal. Rising energy prices are one of those things that ripple through the entire economy. Everything depends on energy, and energy costs get factored into virtually everything. If you want to broadly increase prices throughout the economy, raise energy costs. I think more than the headline numbers, you need to look at the 
trend. Forget the baseline and the comparisons to last year. Just look at the first quarter of 2021. The CPI in January was up 0.3%. It was up 0.4% in February, and now we got the 0.6% rise in March. This is a disturbing upward trend, and the total is 1.013%. That's an increase in CPI in Q1 alone. If that trend continues every quarter this year, we're looking at a better than 4% gain in CPI. That is well ahead of the mythical 2% target. And if you extrapolate the monthly acceleration in CPI gains and figure that that's going to continue through the year, it would come to something like 13% by the end of the year. Now, am I projecting 13% inflation by the end of 2021? No. Well, I don't think I am. Maybe. Probably not. But I don't think 5 or 6% is an unreasonable number to pin on this. Think about that. And if the CPI is saying you're paying 5% more for everything, you know it's worse than that because the CPI understates the actual rate of inflation you're feeling in your wallet. While everybody focused on the CPI number, there was another inflation indicator that didn't get as much attention. There was a big jump in import and export prices. Import prices surged 1.2% in March and are up 6.9% year over year. Export prices jumped 2.1% on the month and 9.1% year over year. Now, you might be tempted to think, well, that's not all bad. At least we're making more on our exports than we're paying for imports. That's nice, except for the fact that we import far more goods than we export. That's why the trade deficit in goods set another record in February. We're taking the stimulus money that the Fed is printing out of thin air, and we're spending it on products that are made overseas. This is not the formula for a strong, vibrant economy. And stop and consider that big spike in export prices. If it's costing more and more to produce the goods that we're sending overseas, it stands to reason that it's costing more and more to produce the goods that we're making that stay here at home. So there's no denying that we're starting to see significant price inflation. Whether it's transitory for real, well, I guess we'll find out, right? It was interesting watching the markets when these numbers came out earlier this week. Basically, they didn't react at all. They pretty much shrugged it off. After all, we know this is transitory, right? Peter Schiff has been making a really good point this week. He talked about it in his podcast, and he mentioned it in an interview on RT Boom Bust. He said, these are the same people who were telling us that subprime was contained back in 07, 08, and there was nothing to worry about. Well, inflation is as transitory as subprime was contained. So here's the question. How do they know inflation is transitory? I mean, I think it's basically based on past performance. We printed all of this money before and it was fine. So it will be fine again. But as the old investment world adage goes, past performance does not guarantee future results. You know, they're playing with fire here, right? The conventional wisdom has always been to nip inflation in the bud. Get on it early. As soon as you're forecasting a rise in inflation, you take steps to tamp it down. You don't want inflation to get out of control because when it gets rolling, it's really hard to tame. But that playbook, it's completely out the window.
So as I asked in last week's podcast, when do they decide it's not transitory? How high do prices have to go before the Fed says, oops? And when they do say, oops, what are they going to do about it? I'll tell you what, nothing. They can't do anything about it. See, that's where I think the mainstream is being misled. They trust the Fed knows what it's doing. And if inflation isn't transitory, the central bank will figure it out and then it will ride in on a white horse and it'll tighten monetary policy and it'll raise rates and it'll put out the inflation fire. They can't do it. It would destroy the mythical recovery, which is built on inflation. They can't get rid of inflation without killing the economy. I'm not going to go through that whole mantra again. That's uh, If you want to hear that, you can listen to last week's show. But to close out today, I want to talk a little about the budget deficit. We got the March numbers earlier this week from the Treasury Department. You will be unsurprised to find that the federal government ran another massive budget shortfall to the tune of $659.59 billion. That's well over half a trillion dollars in one month. Third biggest monthly deficit in history. That pushed the budget shortfall to a record $1.7 trillion through just the first half of fiscal 2021. Again, a record. I wrote a lot about, or I write a lot about the budget deficit and the national debt, both over at shiftgold.com and over at the 10th Amendment Center. But, you know, by and large, people don't care. Those articles get very little traffic. I think people are numb to it. We've had massive deficits for years and years and years, and it's not a problem. It's not a problem until it is. I'll link to the article I wrote about the March deficit in the show notes page, and you can read about some of the potential problems with these big deficits there. But for this show, I want to focus on what Jerome Powell said about the federal budget in a little webinar he participated in, sponsored by the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. Powell assured us that the current debt load isn't a problem. But then he admitted that the long-term trajectory of the U.S. budget is unsustainable. So it isn't a problem until it is a problem or something like that. Here's, Here's what Powell said. He said the U.S. federal budget is on an unsustainable path, meaning simply that the debt is growing meaningfully faster than the economy. And that's by definition unsustainable over time. I can't quibble with anything in that sentence. Then he said, it's a different thing to say the current level of debt is unsustainable. It's not. The current level of debt is very sustainable, and there is no question of our ability to service and issue that debt for the foreseeable future. Uh, Side note, that's as long as the Federal Reserve keeps its big fat thumb on the bond market and keeps monetizing the debt. Anyway, Powell said the U.S. government will eventually have to get back to a sustainable path. He said that is something that is best done in very good times when the economy is at full employment and when taxes are rolling in. This is not the time to prioritize that concern, but it is nonetheless an important concern that we will ultimately have to return to again when the economy is strong. Newsflash, this will never happen. When has the government ever prioritized the ever-rising level of government spending as a concern? I mean, I know Thomas Jefferson did. He paid down the debt, but that was a minute ago. The U.S. government was on this borrowing and spending path before the coronavirus pandemic, and it will remain on this path probably forevermore or until that path dead ends. 
It's easy to just brush off the current government spending spree because we're in the midst of an emergency. That's exactly what Powell did. Virtually everybody agrees the stimulus is necessary to deal with the economic impacts of coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. But don't forget, the Trump administration was stimulating long before this emergency. The budget deficit in the calendar year 2019 was over $1 trillion. I will remind you that that was before the Rona. And as you'll recall, the mantra at the time was that the economy was booming. President Trump kept calling it the greatest economy in the history of America. Now, according to Jay Powell, that was the time to deal with the budget deficit. Didn't happen. Of course, the ugly truth was the greatest economy in history was just a stimulus-fueled bubble masquerading as a strong economy. Nevertheless, if we accept the rhetoric at face value, we should have been cutting spending, uh, I guess raising taxes and paying down the debt. Instead, the government ramped up spending and cut taxes. And oh, don't forget that Powell was at the helm of the Fed during this time. I apparently missed his impassioned pleas to address the unsustainable budget problem during those economic good times. So no, the Trump administration did not tackle the budget problem. If the Republicans weren't willing to address the debt, does anybody actually think Biden and his Democrat buddies are going to do it? Of course not. After ramming through another massive stimulus, the current president is already eyeballing a borrow and spend infrastructure bill. Of one thing you can be certain, politicians will always find a reason to borrow and spend money. There is always an excuse to borrow and spend more. Now it's an emergency, and when times are good, the politicians will tell us, well, now is the time to invest in our future. There is never a time to prioritize concern about the budget deficits and paying down the national debt. It's always kick the can down the road, as Powell is recommending now. And you know, that works fine until you run out of road. It's not a problem until it becomes a problem. Well, Between you and me, I think it's a problem now. My question to you, as always at the end of the show, is are you prepared for the consequences of all of these problems that I guess aren't problems but are going to be problems? If you're not, or if you just don't know, I highly recommend talking to a shift gold precious metal specialist today. These guys are fantastic. They can help you figure out how you can preserve your wealth in the economic times that are ahead. They will look at your personal goals, your portfolio, and help you understand how precious metals can fit into your investment strategy. Give them a call, 1-888-GOLD-160. Shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. These guys are fantastic. They will help you. Call them today. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shipgold.com slash news. I didn't even touch on today uh, the fact that consumer credit uh, is going up. Uh, some other things that interview that Peter Schiff did on uh, Boom Bust is on there. Check it out, shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're at YouTube. Links to all of that stuff on the show notes page. I appreciate you listening. Have a great weekend. <laughs>